For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McEwen. Today is Tuesday, January 26th, 2021. And in today's episode, I'm going to be covering some of the headlines from the sporting world this week. Big moves in the MLB, a changing of the guard at Chelsea. But first, the whole country was watching on Sunday as the AFC and NFC championships took place. The winners, of course, would move on to the Super Bowl. The game is set. Super Bowl 55, February 7th. The Kansas City Chiefs will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The game is set to be played at Raymond James Stadium, home of the Buccaneers, making it the first time that a team will be playing at their home stadium during a Super Bowl. Super Bowl stadiums are usually announced about four years before the event is held, and so Tampa's been planning for this event for a couple of years. So I think it's a big deal, and will be talked about quite a bit leading up to the game, that this will be the first time ever a team in the Super Bowl will have home field advantage. The outdoor arena of Raymond James Stadium can hold upwards of 65,000 people. It is reported that there'll be about 22,000 in attendance to catch Super Bowl 55, 7,000 of which will be vaccinated healthcare workers, having received their tickets for free from the NFL. The rest in attendance, however, will be paying a much heftier price. The cheapest seat available on online ticketing right now is at $12,000 a seat. Tom Brady has punched his ticket to yet another Super Bowl. It will be his 10th time playing in the biggest game in the NFL. No other player has been to a Super Bowl that many times. The player second to Tom is his former teammate, kicker for the New England Patriots, Stephen Goskowski. His six Super Bowl appearances all featured Tom Brady as quarterback. It should be noted that no quarterback has ever gone to the Super Bowl as many times as Brady, the closest being John Elway at five. Brady has now doubled that. Tom will be looking for his seventh Super Bowl victory against the Kansas City Chief, the reigning Super Bowl champions, having won just last season. But it'll be Tom's first time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is his first season away from New England. And with the much publicized acquisition of Robert Gronkowski, getting the former Pat out of retirement to rejoin forces with Tom in Tampa, the team went about getting as many resources as they could around their new quarterback. And it has paid off quickly. His first year in an opposing league, his first year with this new team, and the first time that the Bucs have been to the Super Bowl since 2002. There'll be lots of stories leading up to the Super Bowl, lots of talking points, Mahomes and Brady facing off again. They've faced off four times before. Who will come out on top? But let's get back to this Sunday. The AFC and NFC championships were held. The Kansas City Chiefs took on the Buffalo Bills, while the Bucks and Packers were at it for the NFC championship. It really was a great game, the NFC Championship. Snowy day at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers looked off to a strong start. 
With 30 seconds left in the first half, the score 14 to 10 Tampa, Rogers looked for a big finishing drive before the half. But with 28 seconds on the clock, Sean Murphy Bunting, cornerback for the Bucks, picked off the ball, turning it back to the Bucks' offense. Brady and his offense eked it out from around the 50-yard line. They got held after a failed third-down attempt. And there was a moment when it looked like they were going to punt the ball, but then the offense came back onto the field, going for it on fourth and three with 12 seconds left. Brady threw a bullet pass completion first down. Eight seconds left now in the half, and Brady goes for a deep throw. Scotty Miller comes up with it, a 40-yard touchdown, leaving two seconds on the clock. Bucks now up 21-10 before the half. I think this was a huge moment for the Bucks. They went for it on fourth down. They got the first down. They have a couple of seconds on the clock and they go for the Hail Mary pass, 40-yard touchdown. And this obviously stuck with the Packers as when they came out in the third quarter in the first set of downs, fumble, Buccaneers take back the ball and they end up scoring a quick touchdown. Now down 28-10, the Packers need to answer back. And they did. Good run on the field, touchdown, now 28-17. Now, with seven minutes left in the third, Brady threw a lob pass that got picked by Green Bay. And this felt like a real moment when they could mount their comeback. They do. They get a touchdown, 28-23 now. But Packers go for the two-point conversion in the end zone, and the ball is dropped. Ball now back in the hands of the Bucks. Couple of good plays, big receptions for Brady. But with 12 minutes on the clock again, Brady throws another interception. Very uncharacteristic of Tom Brady. Packers now back on the ball. Green Bay fails to mount another offensive drive, ball back in the hands of Tampa Bay, and again, for the third time in the game, Tom Brady throws another interception. Opportunity after opportunity for Green Bay. This time, again, they do not convert. Ball goes back to the Buccaneers, they get close enough to make a field goal. The game, 31-23. Three minutes left. The Packers were able to get the ball inside the goal line. They get to third down and they don't complete the pass. They're looking at fourth and goal with now nearing two minutes left. And they decide not to go for it and instead opt for the field goal. This was a massively consequential decision in the outcome of the game. Aaron Rodgers is coming off an MVP season. This is the game that you need to win to get back to a Super Bowl, which the Packers have been desperate to do. You're in a game where Tom Brady's thrown three interceptions. And even though you've not been able to amount any kind of offensive response to those interceptions, you're now at a spot where you're in the goal line, fourth down, and you're not going with your MVP candidate quarterback. Just before the first half ended, the Bucks showed going for it on fourth down and it paying off. And now with the game on the line and the opportunity to go for it inside the goal line on fourth down, and they turn the ball over to the kicker consequential decision in the game for sure the final score would end up being 31 26 tampa bay on their way to a super bowl after the game aaron Rodgers held a press conference to take a listen to this it's a lot of guys futures that are you know uncertain you know myself included uh that's what's sad about it most there's a lot of unknowns going into this offseason now and gutting feeling in your stomach. Uh, but I do appreciate you all and the job that you've done this year. I appreciate our interactions. Always be thankful for this season. Gutted doesn't even really cover it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was visibly despondent after the game. 
calling his future into question. And that will be a huge question mark that looms over Green Bay, whether or not Aaron Rodgers will be coming back. And it was a tough loss and a a loss that he's not going to forget for a while, considering the amount of opportunity that they had. And they got the ball back in spots where they maybe didn't deserve to. I mean, you're not going to get Tom Brady to throw that many interceptions in a game normally. And they didn't convert on those. Plus the moment when they didn't go for it on fourth down, managerial decision. And I think there's going to be quite a few more higher up decisions in regards to the future of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The news conference certainly ended and sounded like a goodbye. Rogers even thanking the press corps for their work during the season and enjoying their interactions, thanking the press for what they've done and the way they've covered him. Kind of telltale signs that Aaron's probably thinking that his future won't be at Green Bay. It'll be interesting to see if they do make a move to keep Aaron, if they do make some big changes and hope to end their drought for a Super Bowl. That remains to be seen, but the drought for the Buffalo Bills will still remain. 1993, the last time Buffalo made it to a Super Bowl, but it will be Kansas City representing the AFC this year in Tampa. 38-24, the final score. Patrick Mahomes really showed his dominance, and Kansas City's speed up and down the field was just too much for Buffalo to handle. Buffalo has had a great year. A young team that shows a lot of promise, a young quarterback that is being spoken of very highly, a lot to look forward to. Again, this is the first AFC championship game that they've been to since 93 when they made it to the Super Bowl. But I do not think this will be the last that we hear of the Buffalo Bills. I spoke to my friend Derek, who is a diehard Buffalo Bills fan, and he just said, oh, the game was a mess. (laughs) You know, exaggeration of all of our issues, offense, defense, coaching blowing up, and Chiefs will do that to you, I guess. The Chiefs were incredibly dominant on Sunday and will be looking for their back-to-back return to glory. First time that someone's done it since 03-04, which was Brady with the Pats. Really exciting. Looking forward to the Super Bowl on February 7th on Sunday. And then on February 9th, Tuesday, on the All-American Brit Podcast, it's going to be all about the NFL. I'm going to be talking to my friend Derek, covering the actions of the Super Bowl. It'll be all things NFL, February 9th. So keep a look out for that episode. And now to the big news in the Premier League. Frank Lampard is out as Chelsea manager. He had signed a three-year contract. He was only given a year and a half of the job starting in July of 2019. But poor form and a poor stretch has resulted in a sacking for the manager. It was a really big topic of conversation on my previous episode, my conversation with Will Florence. We talked about our team Chelsea, and we talked about this kind of trifecta of managers, Mikel Arteta, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and Frank Lampard, all in similar situations at clubs that they had played for before, where they had been notable players, important players to the fan base, but were all essentially potentially given this managerial job too soon. And now... The results have come in and Roman Abramovich has decided, as well as the Chelsea board, that Frank will not be bringing the team forward. Chelsea have a history of sacking managers quickly and brutally, and Roman Abramovich never makes comment on a manager's leaving. But yesterday, for the first time in his ownership of the team, Roman Abramovich put out a public comment in relation to letting Frank go. He said, 
This was a very difficult decision for the club, not least because I have an excellent personal relationship with Frank and I have the utmost respect for him. He is a man of great integrity and has the highest of work ethics. However, under current circumstances, we believe it is best to change managers. On behalf of everyone at the club, the board and personally, I would like to thank Frank for his work as head coach and I wish him every success in the future. He is an important icon of this great club and his status here remains undiminished. He will always be warmly welcomed back at Stamford Bridge. It's interesting that Abramovich made this public comment, having sacked so many managers before and never said anything. And I think it's because of Frank's legacy as a Chelsea player. Frank will always be a Chelsea great. That's never going anywhere. And he received this question as manager. Do you think that your poor form as manager will affect the way? No, it will never change what Frank Lampard did wearing a Chelsea shirt. However, on the touchline, in the manager's jacket, it has not been the same kind of success. There were tactical issues, player issues. Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, huge signings haven't performed like Chelsea have wanted them to. And Frank has been graceful and professional throughout this recognising that the expectations of a club like Chelsea are sky high and it is his job to meet that and this may be a reality. Frank Lampard was quoted as saying on a poor year Chelsea should be finishing sixth in the table. Currently at ninth and not with the prospect of getting much better this seemed to be the only choice of Roman Abramovich and the Chelsea board. I get that a lot of fans are going to be disappointed by this decision. I'm, I'm disappointed by it. I had hoped that Frank would go on to have a successful managerial career and bring some of the magic that he did as a player to the touchline, but that just hasn't worked out that way. And I think that we have to be honest about how it's gone. If his name was Tom Lampard and he was just some guy, he effectively has been the worst Chelsea manager in the last 30 years. There needs to be some perspective held on it. And I know that it's a complex one because of that. And I think even Roman realises that in releasing this statement so that something could be said about how important Frank is and that this shouldn't be a, a bad mark on his record, that this is just a growing moment for him and for the club. And I hope that Frank is afforded another opportunity to manage elsewhere and gain more experience because I do believe that the door has potentially been opened and left open for Chelsea to Try again with Frank Lampard. Roman making this rare comment, the fans being in such great support of him. He was given this position too early, and so go get the chance to work elsewhere and potentially come back. Thomas Tuchel will be taking over the Chelsea Blues. Thomas previously has worked at Paris Saint-Germain, taking them to a Champions League final. He also worked at Dortmund, taking over for Jurgen Klopp, who is now at Liverpool. He worked with a young Christian Pulisic. Being familiar with the Bundesliga, he'll be familiar with the form of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Hopefully he can unlock them and help with their adjustment to this new league. I think that Chelsea have a lot of opportunities to get better under Thomas Tuchel, but I don't see the commitment to Thomas Tuchel being a long-term one. Notably because he has in the past had a lot of trouble with front offices and not having as much say as he'd like in the team or whatever else. He's had difficulty dealing with front offices. Good luck dealing with Chelsea's front office, the most cutthroat and difficult one to deal with potentially. It'll be interesting to see how Thomas Tuchel pans out, how the team comes to form, if at all, if they're able to try and relinquish and try and get back some of this season. Chelsea face Wolverhampton Wolves tomorrow and Burnley on Sunday with the new manager at the helm.
Just last week, I was talking to my friend Jake Reiner all about baseball. We were covering our beloved Dodgers. We were also talking about some of the big names that are out there on the free agent market. And a couple of big ones have left that market as of today. George Springer. Jake had him going to the Mets. Jake, unfortunately, was wrong. (laughs) The center fielder from Houston is going to be playing for the Toronto Blue Jays starting in 2021. Marcus Simeon was also announced just a few hours ago that he will be going to Toronto as well. So Toronto making a big splash, and they've already got a core of a great team there. Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Blue Jays are poised to be a big threat in the AL East. And it's funny to think that if you'd said two, three, four years ago that the teams to watch are going to be the Rays and the Blue Jays in the AL East. You'd have said, really? You'd have gotten a questioning look. But that is certainly the way the AL East is shaping up. The The only way I see this getting crazier is if the Baltimore Orioles sign Mike Trout. Then the AL East is just going to be must watch on every single game. Other big move that just happened today as well was JT Realmuto. JT, the catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, will be staying in Philadelphia. He had drawn a lot of interest from a lot of other teams, but it will be that he stays as a Philadelphia Philly. And Trevor Bauer is still technically on the market, although the Mets have offered him a formal offer. Insiders are saying that it is not necessarily the amount that Trevor had been stated as looking for, but it is the best and most formal offer that the Bauer camp has received. And today came the long-awaited announcement of the Baseball Writers Association Hall of Fame ballots. The ballots are usually announced on MLB Network, and I've waited. I waited to submit this podcast to be able to report on who would be winning, who would be entering the Hall of Fame this year. And the news is that there is no news. There's no induction of anybody into the Hall of Fame this year. Nobody reached the seventy-five percent threshold on the ballot to gain entry to the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens did eke a little bit closer, but still not enough to enter the Hall. The Hall of Fame has now become not just a debate of who are the greatest players of all time, but how do their character affect them potentially being able to go into the game, and not just their character, but what they did as far as integrity to the game. The PED era has cast its shadow over baseball for a very long time, and it has cast its shadow over this ballot. And next year will be the 10th and final year for Clemens and Bonds on the ballot, as well as Kurt Schilling. However, Schilling has asked to be removed from the writer's ballot for next year's election, saying that he just wants to be considered by the Veterans Committee, that he would no no longer like to be on the writer's ballot. Schilling has come under fire in the last couple of years for his support of the former president and saying some inflammatory things on social media. The debate around entry to the Hall of Fame has always been one not just of what the accolades and accomplishments of a player on the field are, but the totality of their person, how they act, who they are. The integrity of your personage does matter when you gain entry to these hallowed halls. Just this week, we lost Henry Aaron. Henry Aaron was an incredible baseball player and an incredible man. There are so many things that have been coming out in the last couple of weeks about him getting to his home run record and all of the personal difficulty that he faced while in the league. It is said that he read every single piece of hate mail that he ever received because he wanted to know the opposition that he faced and what he was coming up against in trying to have this momentous moment in his career toward the home run race. Henry Aaron displayed the character 
of what it meant to be a true Hall of Famer and a true baseball person. Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, what they did on the field was truly exceptional. Hall of Fame caliber players, without doubt. But the the questions of their character will linger in the baseball writers' minds and will affect the way that this vote carries on. Only time will tell how this all plays out. I hope you enjoyed today's episode covering some of the big stories in the sporting world from this last week. Follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter and let me know what you made of the stories, what you think of the results of the MLB vote, predictions for the Super Bowl. And stay tuned here on the All American Brit Podcast on Believe Podcasting Network, where it's all sport all the time. As always, I am your host, Johnny McEwen. And until next time, take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.